Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boy, producer Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, we have the perfect guest today. In fact, one of my favorite guests returning after way too long, the former Golden State beat writer, sports director, and editor for sfbay.ca, where she covered all things Warriors for more than three years, the Utah Jazz beat writer for the Deseret News, and a woman who both seemingly hates and possibly has a slight crush on her upstairs neighbor, if you believe her Twitter account, (laughs) Miss Sarah Todd. What's going on, Sarah? Not much. That is 100% true. You described it perfectly. I yeah. I hated my upstairs neighbor and still hate him because he makes so much noise and is inconsiderate. And then I recently found out that he is the hot guy in the building and has like a beautiful British accent and he has he, a dog. He has a he beautiful has dog. A yeah. Would you like to know how I know that? This is not secret information, Sarah. No, it's you not. Have, you have an unbelievably, um, I mean, really great follow on Twitter. And the main reason it's a great follow is because you are just spewing out basketball knowledge and news all the time. But it's interspersed with these fantastic personal details. Things like, I think I hate my f-ing upstairs neighbor. Also, I might be in love with him. I just, I just really enjoy the dichotomy. And to prove that to you, we actually are opening up with a Twitter segment that I'm calling the Twitter habits of Sarah Todd. (laughs) All right. So before we even jump into it, let me give credit where it's due because recently you've been using that media presence in impressive and impactful ways. Uh, Boys, I'm I'm not sure if you remember this, but Sarah is from paradise, California, uh, an area that was hurt by wildfires, not just last year, but is dealing with them this year again. And she's used Twitter to help get donations, really impactful donations to those in need. And she is also a California kid in Utah and is using social media to represent BLM in the face of some what sounds like pretty nasty mentions. Uh, So it's not all fun and games, but there is some fun in games. You've had your usual share of entertaining and random as hell tweets. So here's the idea. I have in front of me, Sarah, four tweets. Three of those are from you. One I've authored in my best uh, Sarah Todd impersonation. And what we're going to be doing is testing two things. One, hopefully showing the audience just how entertaining you can be uh, on Twitter. But the two, testing whether or not Marcus's skills as you know someone who's just been stalking your Twitter account have sharpened him to the point where he can pick out the fake. So uh, oh, this is this is real. I'm so interested in the results here, Marcus. You better be on your game. <laughs> you and I both. We start with number one, and Maxine will want your take too. Quote: I recently learned that the hot guy in my building with a beautiful puppy is also the neighbor directly above me, who has been the bane of my existence, and I don't know how to feel. Actually, as I sit here and the noise is making me want to murder him, I know where I've landed. So that's number one. And, you know, we already have a little hint about whether or not <laughs> Sarah dropped that one. So I'll go straight to number two. Number two, I just spent an hour looking at dogs on Instagram. This is proof that I've learned restraint. So, you know, there's our Instagram take. Here is number three, quote, I say this with full knowledge that I'm subtweeting Jordan Clarkson. Coconut water is an absolute abomination on par with Twilight and CrossFit. As a matter of fact, I just described the exact person that drinks coconut water. And finally, four, back to the neighbor. 
After 24 hours of wire-like surveillance, I've realized my upstairs neighbor is either always moving, 75-pound boxes, is actually made of rock and likes to run indoors, or spends his time finding stones to slam on the ground as hard as he can. There is no middle ground. So, boys, that is one through four. Three of those were authored by uh, the wonderful Mrs. Sarah Todd. One came from yours uh, truly. What's the guess? I know the answer. (laughs) I hope you know the answer. If you didn't know the answer, we're changing this to the amazing mind of Sarah Todd. You know? Um, like, I'm going to go with uh, the one that is not hers is coconut water. So, and and the seen. reason is, I think Jordan Clarkson's time in L.A. as a Laker made him fond of coconut water. I think they're big fans of it down in L.A., so I don't see him disparaging it that way. And I just think it's completely on brand for Sarah to have at least two texts or two tweets about um, her upstairs neighbor. So, <laughs> Maxine, so are you, are you with him? Number three has been identified. What's the uh, what's your take? So I want to clarify. You're saying that that you wrote you wrote this as a fake tweet, but you didn't publish it. So this is not a tweet. The one that we're guessing has not seen the light of day outside of this conversation. Are you asking, do I have access to Sarah's Twitter account and did I publish one from her Twitter account? Correct. <laughs> no, no, I do not have access to Twitter account. <laughs> no, I do not. I, and of all the follow-up questions, I never would have thought that was one of them. But okay, no, that clarify. is not published. Uh, wow. Well, see, I feel like you're, 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 you're really trying to game us with this one. And so while I see where Marcus is coming from, um, now I'm inclined to say that it's the, the Instagram puppies. The, so which one? The, which one about the neighbor? We've got the first one. No, no, no. The second one. Oh, Number gotcha. two. Got an hour looking at Instagram. All right. So Marcus got two. Uh, or Marcus has three. Maxime has two. Sarah, which one of these was fake? The last one about the neighbor is fake. What? That's right. She only what? had one. The after 24 hours of wire-like surveillance was mine. It turns out I also stalk you, Sarah, and was able yeah. to impersonate you on Twitter. What's up with the neighbor, dude? Like, what kind of noise are we talking about? Oh, my God. It's just like five times a day, it sounds like he's moving bodies. And I don't understand how he can be making that much noise. And like, even with a new puppy, like I can hear when the puppy like runs around is playing with toys and stuff. And then like out of nowhere, they'll just be like banging on the walls and like stomping on the ground. And like, it sounds like he's dropping a body and then like dragging it across the floor. And I'm like, listen, I don't understand one body, but like three times a week, like that's too many. Know that like right before we jumped into the segment, when you and I were just talking about the neighbor and you brought up the neighbor, I started slowly pumping my fist because I was like, I got these boys. There's no way they're going to pick out the second neighbor one now. It just, it fits right into it. So I, I'm, I know it was inadvertent, but I got to thank you for your help. I'm really proud of myself right now. I will say, so the fact that I, I'm, I stand by all of those tweets. I think those are all great tweets because <sighs> the fact that I only spent an hour on Instagram looking at dog videos, that is restraint. And <laughs> I think that Marcus maybe missed the context of the Jordan Clarkson tweet because I was, it was like, I'm subtweeting him yeah. because Jordan Clarkson had tweeted about how amazing coconut water was. And I was like, oh, I will not stand for this. And so that's why I tweeted that it was like uh... reading Twilight or doing CrossFit. His analysis was right. MT, like you did, you broke it down exactly right. You just heard right. the subtweeting portion wrong, uh, yeah. which is where I, I was able to sneak to victory, I think. Yeah, I definitely would have picked number four had I known that. Sure, sure you would. <laughs> and Sarah, just to, to make Maxime's offer an official one, if you would like me to occasionally take over your Twitter account, just let me know. You know, I don't know that much about the Utah Jazz, but I can tweet about your neighbor as many times as you need me to. So I'm here, I was, open offer. I was thoroughly entertained hearing you read my tweets back to me. I was <laughs> laughing really hard. And so I think I'm doing a good job. <laughs> we have far too much in common, Sarah. Uh, we've got a trade segment on board for today, but I would be insane not to touch on the bubble with you because you are not only there, you were there during one, if not the most socially relevant thing to happen in the NBA when the players decided to take playoff games off and sit out and honor BLM. So let's start generally. Um, How was the bubble? How would you describe the experience? When you came home and talked to friends, what were the first few stories you told them? 
I mean, in general, people were like, oh, how was it? Was it weird? And the problem is, is that I just hate Florida so much because it's so swampy and disgusting. And there's so many ignorant people that I uh, like the basketball portion was the relief from being in Florida. And so it was great for me. And so I think that I kind of see it through my own lens and I'm not able to see it outside of that. Uh, I can say that the like pumped in fan noise that you see during the broadcast sounds a lot better on the broadcast than it does in the arena. In the arena, it's even more fake. And it just, huh. it's so weird because you can tell it's coming from the speakers because it's not coming to you with the noise of the game. And like, you can hear guys like breathing and bouncing the ball at the free throw line. And then you hear like these fake, like, thunder sticks and cheers and it's like oh just stop like no nobody in here needs this if you're gonna like add it to the broadcast do that later but this is just ridiculous in this building where there's no one like who's the beneficiary of this in this building so i i didn't like that part but i mean being able to watch basketball uh when i didn't know that that was going to happen again this year was absolutely fantastic and the 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 sound lines like in the actual games. So if the pumped in broadcast sound sounds terrible and weirdo, um, how about the players talking shit to one another? Because that was one of the things I was like so excited to hear, and I can see it happening. And you catch more, you have a better sense of what's being said than you did before, but you still can't really hear them. You know, they're not mic'd up. We don't really pick up a lot of that. If you're there, do you hear them talking crap to one another? Yeah, you can hear it a lot more in the building. And I mean, I think one of the biggest things is like you can hear what the coaches and then all of the assistant coaches are yelling at different players at different times. That was the most interesting thing huh. to me is because usually you there'll be you know four guys talking at one time and they're yelling at different players. You got 20,000 people in the building and so you can't really tell what's going on. But in there you could hear like, you know, one assistant talking to like a center while the head coach is calling out the plays to the point guard like you could hear those different conversations going on which i'm sure is very weird for them because then the opposing coach is hearing all of that too right there there is one we're never going to see because it sounds like fans are going to slowly trickle back in and they're not going to perfect bubble basketball on television and good you know I'm, I'm anxious to have the old product back but there is an unbelievable television show in the stone of this bubble you know that they, they could slowly chisel out the right things to do for example the conversations you're talking about you know, if, if they could figure out a way to mic up and give us little pieces in game without giving away strategy or hearing players go back and forth, I mean, that, that would just be gold and we're not quite there yet. Here's a, um, a really important question. Is Patrick Beverly more annoying with or without a live crowd? So, uh, so many years. You hate him so much. Yes, I do. Uh, and thank you for acknowledging the length of hate I've had. You know, like, I, yeah. I wish I had a shirt that had like a mark on it for every year I've called Patrick Beverly an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think I remember years and years ago, you just said his face is just annoying. Are you telling me I'm wrong? It's hell. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that I had too many instances where I actually noticed what Patrick Beverly was doing. I, I don't pay attention to him as much as you do. You didn't see his face. I, I, I hear hate, what you're saying. You didn't see his face. It takes a lot of effort. <laughs> not, not for all of us, Sarah. Unfortunately enough, for some of us, it comes way too easily. Um, take me to the day that the players decided to sit. Uh, just throughout, I mean, describe it in whatever means come to mind. I mean, how crazy with that? How did it go? How did it make you feel? Just tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, I was supposed to be at uh, the arena later in the day for a game. And so this was all happening while I'm sitting at the hotel. And I'm watching the broadcast just like everyone else is. I'm getting ready to like get my stuff to go to the arena for a later game. And I, I noticed just like everyone else is that like no one's coming on the court from Milwaukee. And I, I mean, there was sort of this feeling in the bubble like for maybe two or three days leading up to it like there was a real mood shift where it wasn't just guys continuing to like bring their message in the pre or post game interviews it was like you could tell that they were just completely distraught and they and they didn't know how to refocus 
their feelings and in a productive way. And you could tell that it was kind of eating at some of these guys. And I, I, I knew right away, like when they weren't taking the court, I was like, Oh, they're, this is it. They're not going to play. Like I just knew it intuitively just from being around many of these players over the couple days leading up to it. And I mean, I felt like the same way when I was in OKC, when the NBA shut down, shut down, it was like, this is a, this is a huge moment. This is a moment in NBA history that we're never going to forget. And it, I mean, it was so moving. And I think that it, it meant a lot. Of course it was. It's not just a moment in NBA history we're never going to forget. This is the kind of thing that I, I hope will resonate into all types of history. You know, that this could be one of the sparks that leads to the kind of change uh, your Twitter account has been calling for when not busting out your hot but uh, apparently heavy set neighbor upstairs. And one of the things on that Twitter account that really um, stuck out to me is you were one of the people who pointed out Jamal Murray's beginning to media availability. Instead of immediately taking the stand and, and taking questions, instead he put his shoes up there and let them wait by themselves for multiple minutes. And then ultimately came and, and said, look, that was half the time that the police had uh, prevented George Floyd from breathing. Were you in the room when he did that? No, that was, I saw that over Zoom, um, but it was, it was so intentional. Like you saw Jamal's hands sort of lean in and put the shoes on the chair and then he walked out of frame and just purposely had them sit there. It was maybe, it was maybe like three minutes. And then when he came on, you know, the question was asked, what was the reason that you did this? And he was like, I just want it. I just want it to sink in. Like, I want you to look at their faces. I want you to understand this is the message. And he didn't even know like specifically how long it was. And we had told him like, yeah, it was a couple minutes. And he's like, think about that. That was a couple minutes. Like we're talking about like nearly 10 minutes. A guy had a knee on his neck and it's an eternity. Um, This is a selfish question, but I specialize in them. If I was there, if I was there and suddenly history was happening around me and I'm a reporter, it's my dream. You know, I mean, I, I want to be in this business and now I have an opportunity to report on something historical, but I would also be like nervous and pressure filled and sweaty. I'd be just worried that I wasn't doing it right and would I, I wouldn't be sure immediately how to cover it. So you're there, you're in that role. History is unfolding around you. Is it is it stress laden? Is it fun? Is it hard? Like just personally, what's that like? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of different sort of emotions that happen as a reporter. Cause like very first and foremost, I'm like, who can I get on the phone with? Who do I know in executive positions or in the league office that I can get on the phone with? And so you just immediately go into reporter mode and forget everything else. And then it's like, I'm trying to intersperse conversations with sources with conversations with my editors and try to figure out like what's the best angle for you know the the utah readers and how can we fold this in so that it's unique for for our readers and so trying to figure out that and tie it into what's been happening the last few days and kind of going through quotes that we've had from players over the last few days that'll make it meaningful because we know that the first story we put out that there's not, you know, Milwaukee's still in the locker room, you know, later, later we're updating the story with what they've said and just trying to get information. And so in those moments, I think you're, I'm in full reporter mode and not really able to fully grasp the largeness of this situation or the meaningfulness of it until, you know, after it's all said and done, my story's filed and I finally like sit and breathe. And I realize like, Oh, the NBA shut down today for like racial injustice. Right. I, I imagine your hotel room looks like multiple scenes from Beautiful Mind. Like you've just written on every surface <laughs> in that hotel room. There's just like scribble notes everywhere, every window. Just I mean, which is is a testament, I think, to yeah. how many thoughts you had on it, you know? Yeah, that I mean, <laughs> you are not far off. There were so many surfaces <laughs> written on. <laughs> That's what the deposit's for. Yeah, not let, you know, let Disney exactly. worry about that. Some Somebody in a Mickey Mouse suit is cleaning that up as we speak. So they don't. <laughs> not a problem for Sarah to concern. Uh, well, we do have a trade segment I want to jump to. But Marcus, Maxime, I don't want to step on your toes. Are there bubble questions you guys have in pocket that uh, I didn't think of? 
Just one for me. Um, Utah played a great series against Denver, and Denver is kind of the Cinderella darling of the playoffs this year. But um, we saw a little friction earlier in the season, especially with Rudy Gobert kind of being the uh, patient zero for COVID. Um, is there any action there? Like, Sarah, you have a good inside look. Is is Rudy Gobert leaving? Are, are he and Donovan on good terms? Are the Warriors in line to get Rudy Gobert as our starting center? Let me know what's up. <laughs> if I was a if I was a betting woman, I I would place all of my money on Rudy and Donovan both signing extensions in Utah. Uh, I don't think that there's any way that either of them are leaving. I think Rudy knows that he's not going to get a supermax, even though he's eligible for it, and he's willing to take that discount. He's said multiple times that he plans on winning a championship with the Jazz. And any friction that was there between Donovan Mitchell and and Rudy Gobert has seemed to be resolved. I think both of them realize that there's much larger problems in the world, larger problems that they're both trying to be a part of fixing right now. And they both want to win and they're both very good players. And so they're better together than they are apart. And, um, you know, even though they lost and there was a lot of like grief and defeat after that game seven against Denver, they were both of the mind of like, we're really proud of, the fact that we went through all of those things uh, between March and now, and we're stronger than we were even before it happened. You know, whose face just got a lot more annoying. Rudy Gobert's Sarah. <laughs> you're saying that he's not going anywhere. No, that, that analysis makes sense. And from my mind was cemented the second uh, Denver completed their second three, one comeback over the clips. Because if you were Utah and you were kind of worried about your future because they just dropped the 3-1 lead and you know, maybe this isn't the court we want to build against or build around, and then you watch Denver do what they did against one of these supposed favorites in the West, you suddenly feel a lot better about your future prospects and you're going to want to run it back. So you know, it is what it is. Gobert might not be one of our targets, but that doesn't stop us from using this as the perfect transition. Sarah, I've got a trade segment for you. Um, we have put together some fake trades for some big names, but this trade segment's a little bit different than past ones. And to explain that, let me give you a quick story from last week. So, you know, none of us can really go out anymore, but every now and again, I'll have a happy hour over Zoom. And I did that with some friends who are Warrior fans. And we had a couple beers in us, and somewhere along the line, we started using the trade machine via a shared screen. And, you know, two hours later, we had completed, you know, nine, ten crazy one-sided trades for the Warriors because all of us are Warrior fans, so nobody's representing the other teams. I'm talking things like, Sarah, we were trading uh, pool for Doncic because the numbers matched, right? So what I realize now is if we're going to talk about a trade for Embiid, uh, for a trade for Antetokounmpo, what we need is somebody who is not a straightforward Warriors fan, someone who is far more neutral, and someone who knows about the rest of the team. Sarah, what we need is you. So here's our idea. Um, we have a series of trades. If it's not my trade, I am going to act as uh, Bob Myers, and I'll give my approval from the Warriors standpoint. If it is Milwaukee, you'll be Milwaukee's GM. If it's Philly, you'll be Philly's GM. You are going to represent the other team and give us a yes or no from their standpoint, and we'll see if we can actually consummate any trades here. Make sense? Yes. Excellent. Um, Before we throw you a trade, give me your opinion on whether or not the Warriors need one. So, you know, we got the second pick. They've got Minnesota's pick next year. Uh, Steph, Clay are returning. Wiggins is here. There's certainly reasons to be optimistic. Just as like a general idea, just, you know, when before we even start these trades, if you were Bob Myers, would you be looking for a trade right now or would you stand pat and kind of see how things play out? I've got a feeling that the trades that you're going to give me are not going to be like second or third tier trades. They're going to be blockbuster trades. And <laughs> I, I would not, if I was Bob Myers, I would not be looking to do a blockbuster trade this offseason. Yeah, no, I've, I've put together a bunch of trades for Jerry and Grant. Um, yes. So, you know, it'll be, uh, I, I figured that nothing would make better content than if we could get somebody, you know, just bring in some 11th men. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. let's see where the hell this goes. Uh, give me also your take on where the Warriors stand. So, let's say they do not make a move and they come back next year. Top four in the West? How do you view the Warriors? 
man, it's it's so rough because I mean, on one hand, I you have what I would think would be like the devil's advocate against the Warriors, which would be like they haven't played together in a year. Steph's been out of the lineup. They didn't have a postseason. They have to like rebuild all the chemistry. What if they're not the same team? Plus, like, is Andrew Wiggins, does he play basketball now all of a sudden? And, but on the other, on the first hand, though, it's like they're the Warriors. You got Steph and Clay and Draymond. Like, of course, they're going to be good. Put some pieces around them. Of course, they're going to be one of the, like, upper echelon teams in the West. So weigh those two out. Which which of those two competing thoughts? You know, the- I'm not gonna bet. I'm not gonna bet against Steph right now. Like I, I think that him and Clay are still like the best backcourt in the league, and I think they're gonna be at least be in the upper echelon of the West. There you go. Well, let's get him some superstar help, Sarah. Your uh, your intuition was on the money. The trades we have today, we have a couple for Giannis. We have a couple for Joel Embiid. And we have one for Marcus Smart. Let's jump right in. Maxime, you've got our first for Yanis Antetokounmpo. What is it? Yanis. Okay. Yanis. Like no. Okay. Let me let me say two <laughs> things. That's going to change for me at least nine times throughout the, the course of this. Oh, podcast. I know. Yeah, I mean, like it's and it's not limited to just him. I may just start calling him the alphabet. I'm like or Greek freak, and now we'll all know when I do that. It's because I got afraid and just punked out at the last minute and was unwilling to do it. So it's my understanding, Maxime, you have a trade ready for the alphabet. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go near. Okay, but the one caveat here is that we we might need Marcus to participate um, as whoever the Clippers GM is. I'll start here. Golden State receives the Antetokounmpo brothers, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta have them both, right? So that's Thanasis or Thanasis and Giannis or Yannis. Oh, man, I might need to go to the alphabet as well. <laughs> um, the Clippers receive uh, Eric Bledsoe, Jordan Poole, um, and Eric Paschal, and the Bucks receive Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, and Playoff P. <laughs> okay. Uh, as John Horst, uh, general manager. Oh, I mean, wait, Bram. Do you wanna? Do you wanna go ahead? Tell me if the Warriors. Can I, can I also just say, it? right? Like part of, part of the deal here is not just like everybody's copacetic and we're all having a great time, right? This is under some amount of understanding that that Giannis is doing sell something to similar to Anthony so here, Davis. Sell it to each of us, right? So the first the first call you're gonna make, man, is to me. Um, I'm Bob Myers. You, you have, you're the agent, let's say for Yannis. you want to make me accept this. So who are the Warriors giving up? So the Warriors are giving up Draymond and Kevon Looney, uh, and at I'm least getting... to the, to the bucks. And then, um, Jordan Poole and Eric Paschal are going to the clips. Okay. So a lot of young, young talent and then Draymond's contract. And then I'm getting back basically Yannis and his brother. That's right. Okay. Sell it to me. Why do I want to do that? I mean, it's Yannis, like, you know, two-time MVP, Right, defensive all first team. Um, I mean, Draymond is you know an unbelievable cog in this offense. He's a he's a hell of a passer. I'm I'm, I'm worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. At the same time, you know, he's on the other side of thirty. Yeah, I'm um, just fucking with you. Yes, times a thousand. <laughs> yes, you should not be spending any time on me. In fact, your next call needs to immediately be to Sarah. Uh, so, or I'm sorry, to John Horst in Milwaukee. So, give us who is Milwaukee losing and who are they gaining. Uh, Milwaukee is getting off of Eric Bledsoe, and I say that in, with all intents and purposes, moving on from Eric Bledsoe, um, mm-hmm. and obviously the Antenna Cupo brothers. Um, but they're getting in return Draymond, who is still quite excellent, um, Kevon Looney, and uh, and Paul George. What do you think? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, will you? I mean, Rude. you're gonna have to also send me. Uh, Steph Curry's like first three born children and well, that's no problem uh, <laughs> and like I don't know a billion dollars <laughs> there, there's no way there's no way that I'm giving up not not only is it like what's about to be the two-time reigning MVP plus the defensive player of the year I'm not giving that up when Giannis is also so young I'm not doing it to get Draymond and Playoff P, which, by the way, turns out to be not Playoff P. I think it's his name now. Like, there's just no way I'm doing it. And nothing. let's talk about non-basketball. Giannis Antetokounmpo is so marketable, and he 
he could own Milwaukee if he wanted to. There's no way I'm bringing in Draymond. Well, no. What what I'm saying here is that is that Giannis is obviously right. You're not trading him if unless he's pushing out. And I'm saying that like basically you realize that you need to trade him because otherwise he's going to walk. Um, next year, right? So this is a pretty good must, haul considering you, that he's going to You walk. must not have heard my star player talk over the last couple of weeks because basically what he said is he doesn't want to leave. So <laughs> yeah, I'm hanging and up neither the did Kevin Durant. I'm, or... I'm still on board, Maxime. If it makes you feel any, bo- any better at all, I'm still on board. It sounds <laughs> like we Bob. don't have a trade, but let's hear, uh, let's hear the third leg played out anyways. Um, so Jerry West, Bomber, Doc Rivers, whomever you are, uh, stop being remarkably depressed and listen to this trade off from Maxine. What did they get? Frank Lawrence. No, Lawrence Frank. I know. I was just testing you, Sarah. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Clips get Eric Bledsoe, Jordan Poole, and Eric Pascal, some nice young talent. Um, and uh, in, in return, um, they move on from playoff Pete. MZ. I liked it when I was billionaire Steve Ballmer better than Lawrence Frank, but um, <laughs> <Lane> Sarah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Lawrence Frank is the DM. He's doing a good job. Um, I I don't do it. I, I think I think the you know what way off P is his new name for yeah. the off season, um, which is fitting for how he played, but. You know, you still have to give him more than one season to gel with there. I, I just, I worry that his shoulder surgeries are um, more impactful than people are giving them credit for. Um, but I just don't. I'm not thrilled with uh, being reunited with Eric Bledsoe. Um, Jordan Poole is just kind of a fringe um, player off the bench, and Pascal is nice. You know, shout out to Eric for making first team All Rookie, um, but. I think for what we gave up or what they gave up in order to get Paul George in, you, you can't give up that early with that. With it's giving up shy and, picks. and 14 picks. million picks. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot. That, that'll make a difference on a franchise as we go forward. Yeah, uh, I can't. I can't. As the GM, I can't give yeah. up on the trade no, that easily because otherwise it's Some it's cost those fallacy, picks. my bro. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of course you're right. So, Maxime, unfortunately, <clears throat> flaming failure Sheesh. on that one. But I've got one. All right, I've I've got one. So let me hand over my GM hat, uh, Maxine. Why don't you now become Kirk Myers? Uh, I'm sorry, Kirk Lacob, and uh, Marcus. You pick up the Bob Myers hat. So you guys both represent the Warriors. Uh, but Sarah or John, I've got a deal for you. All right, um, and I will pitch it as Bob Myers before I pull off my hat. So yes, I heard what Yanni said in the media. And we both know that you had him say that if he desperately wanted to come here, he'd have to tell everybody he wants to, to stay. If I'm selling a car, I don't tell everybody I'm desperate to sell it. I tell everybody I love this thing. But if you give me the right amount of money, maybe I'll part with it. So I understand it's going to take a real deal move to get Yanni's from you. But let's be realistic. He's not staying there. He doesn't want to be in a small market. You guys have to blow it up and everyone in the league knows it. So what I've put together for you is something to begin a brand new franchise. Here's what you guys need. You need a marketable player and you need first round picks. I mean, it's just, it just is what it is. And good news, this year, we've got both in, in more supply than perhaps anyone has ever had it. All right, so let me first give you the bounty that you'll receive. Two players you can market around. Clay Thompson, you may have heard of him unbelievably valuable on the floor, perhaps even more valuable off of it. You think Milwaukee is going to love Yanis? Wait till they get a sense of toaster signing, scaffold knowing clay. If that's not enough for you, I'm throwing in a former first overall, Sarah. Let me give you Andrew Wiggins. Did he succeed as the only player in Minnesota? No. I mean, I know. Yeah, he, he wasn't that guy. But can he be a piece in a rebuilding franchise? Of course he can. But Sarah, that's not everything. That's not everything, because that's not what you wanted to hear from me. What you wanted was first-rounders. Let me give them to you. I'm going to give you this year's second pick. I'm going to give you next year's Minnesota's pick in a loaded triple draft. And I'm not done, Sarah. I'm going to give you my 2022 first-rounder. So Clay Wiggins, this year's second, next year's Minnesota's pick, my first in 2022. And I can tell you're not all the way there yet. So, Sarah, 
I want to give you Pascal as well. So it, it, it's just an unbelievable load of young, talented players and then the promise of a ton of, of first-round picks back, all right? Now, you're going to have to give me something, but I've got good news there first. Bad news, you know, let, let's just throw it out. You know who I'm looking for. I want Antetokounmpo, okay? He's there. But here's the good news. I'm going to take Bledsoe off your hands. When Giannis leaves, you guys don't want Eric Bledsoe there. He's going to be super unhappy. He shit the bed during the playoffs. You need a new face. So I'm going to take him off your hands. And to make the money work, I want a bunch of other bull****, a poo-poo platter. I want Robin Lopez, Ghostface, Ursan Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson. That's it. So Clay Wiggins, Pascal, the number two pick, next year's Minnesota's pick, in my first in 2022, and I get back Yanis, Bledsoe, Robin Lopez, Ghostface, and DJ Wilson. What do you think? All right, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say, okay, talk me through it. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, the only thing that I'm worried about is, I mean, if I know that Giannis is not going to stay, that he wants out. And we know that. And he's, not, he's never going to come out and say it. But there's no, he's not going to go through this twice and then sign up for a third run through. He's out of here, Sarah. I don't think I – think, I think Giannis is staying. But let's say that he, he doesn't want to, that he wants out. Okay? Well, treat this as – I mean, use, use your – I mean, I'll, I'm stepping out of character here. This is no longer negotiations. You, you know, you are – don't be John. Be Sarah. You control his fate. So however it is you feel about it, you know, what, what would you do? I give you that pitch. Would you say yes? I think that we would have to sort of negotiate the fringe details. Yep. Um, I might be looking for, uh, you know, a little cash to throw my way. Maybe we discuss some protections on things. Uh, but if Giannis wants out, this is the kind of package that I'm looking for there because go. we're going to have to rebuild. Okay, now, so hold on for a second, all right? Let me put you on hold just for a second because I got a broker the other side. Because and, 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 I'll, and I'll let you know right now, uh, Sarah, as you're considering this, this isn't going to be easy for me. They want Clay. They want Wiggins. They like their future. This package I've put together is unbelievable. It's not something we're willingly popping up. So you may want to jump on it while it's here, but hold for a second and let me talk to them and see what's up. All right, Bob, uh, Kirk, I hope we both have you guys there. Nope, I hung up when you said Clay, but okay. continue. Mm -hmm. So what the first thing I want to point out for you guys is we have to decide what your job is. If your job is to honor the past, you need to hang up on me now. Because if what your job as the GM of the Golden State Warriors is, is to look at the trophies you already have, make sure they're as shined up as they could possibly be, and the players who want it are as happy as they can be going forward, then you're right, man. That's it. It's done. I don't even know why you're drafting. Just be happy with the things you've already succeeded with. Don't worry about any future players. Just make sure the people who have already succeeded know that you appreciate them. Done deal. Now, if that's not your job, if your job is to win as many championships from today, this moment, the second this phone call ends going forward, then if what you're telling me is the second I've included Clay Thompson, even if it's for the most talented player on earth, you're not doing your job. There's no other way to look at it. So as you evaluate this, don't tell me the only thing you're looking to do is to celebrate Clay. Build him a statue. What you need to look at is how this impacts the future. And good news, boys, I've just pulled off the goddamn impossible. I have Antetokounmpo, a person who is proof of human evolution, is going to change the sport, is a mid-range jumper away from being one of the best players we've ever seen. I have him on the table. I have him on the table. And what you need to give up is a guy whose health we're not sure about and a person who has never actually succeeded despite having lofty expectations his entire life. So I am going to not only bring you Yannis, incidentally, I know we're worried about losing Clay. I'm going to bring you another defensive-minded, same-aged, former all-star upside player in Eric Bledsoe. So although we do lose some shooting and certainly perimeter defense by giving up Clay, I am bringing back Eric Bledsoe along with Yannis at the three. And just in case you want to hear it, that gives us a closing lineup of Steph, Bledsoe, Giannis, Draymond Green, 
and depending on how the, the MLE works, Mark Gasol. So there's my pitch. Is it just a simple no from you two? I'll go first. So I think, you know, you obviously have to take it serious and take the call if you're Bob Myers and discuss what's what's possible if Giannis is on the table. To me, um, Giannis being hands down the best player in the league is true for the regular season, but he's more than just a mid-range jumper away from changing the, the league. He doesn't have a mid-range jumper. He doesn't. He can't shoot free throws well, and he can't shoot a three-pointer. So those combined make him less valuable than just hands down the best player in the league. I don't think he is that player yet. Um, he is the MVP, but he's not the best player, in my opinion. What we're giving up, what you're asking me to give up, is not just player talent. It's the culture that I've built here. I worked really hard with Steve and with Steph and Clay and Draymond to build a culture here at Golden State. That culture probably doesn't look what it was because of how Kevin Durant unfolded, but that's indicative of him and, and as a person, not as the organization. We built something here with our draft picks and with our culture from the head coach down that I think you give up too much to bring in somebody of Giannis's caliber, even though he's a great player. And even though Bledsoe is arguably first, second team, all defense as well. I think the hit you take to who you represent as an organization is too big because we bring back the same reason we're bringing back Sean Livingston for a role and Leandro Barbosa, like, like, what we build is a camaraderie and a family. And, you know, like there's a, there's a reason why those players stayed at San Antonio for all those years. But if they, they had won. a chance to bring in Nick Nurse as an assistant coach and Adam to hear it, and then they decided, no, 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 we need to make sure it's Sean Livingston to honor the past, it would be a very similar decision. You know, I mean, like, uh, you know who else has a unbelievable culture? The Patriots. And But what their culture surrounds around isn't necessarily the locker room. It's the fact that all they do is continue to win because they focus on talent. Uh, if, I mean, I was, I was, I listened back to our past show. Sarah, we did a should they include Clay um, trade or in a trade segment last week. Um, and all of us ultimately concluded that no, they should not. And I want your take if you were Bob Myers on this thing too. And what I really realized, I mean, taking away the salesman angle I'm, I've, I've occupied during this podcast, what I really realized is if, if Milwaukee calls them up, you know, if, if the impossible happens, the, the needle gets threaded and Giannis goes to, because really the only possible way that he ends up here is if he not only says I want to be traded, he says I want to be traded to Golden State, you know, um, and the chances of that happen are remarkably small. If that happens, and Milwaukee calls up the Warriors and announces the impossible has gone down. Look, we're going to give them to you. You know, this is what's, this is what's going to go down, but we need you to include Clay. And Bob Myers' answer is, no, Clay's done too, more, uh, too much for us. I, I will not include him, and that's why it doesn't, uh, it doesn't go forward. I don't agree with that decision. I do not. Um, but Maxime, then Sarah, would you say yes to the deal I just proposed? No, I'm really surprised that you're um... – that you're you're heading back on on what we just talked about last week. That feels so unlike you to um, to turn back on your take. Uh, I I just I, I and I, I think we need to look no further than um, the recent throw everything out there to get back two star players, regardless of culture, in the L.A. Clippers to see that. This is actually a really serious situation. Kawhi was widely considered to be the best player in the league last year, with much more having been proven considering that he'd already won a title as well as a finals MVP, and yet they flamed out in the second round. I don't I don't buy the notion that um, that it's going to be what, successful. I think culture... What if really Myers has. vetted them? What if Myers vetted them from... So what you guys are, are saying, maybe I, I misunderstood... When you are using the word culture, you're not saying I want to make sure that Clay is honored. You're saying I want to make sure the locker room continues to be. That's right. Um, okay. So exactly. and, yeah. and what if they've done personality vetting and, and are hook, line, and sinker positive that Yanis is going to add to this culture as well? Oh, of course he's going to add to the culture. I mean, I think him and Steph are, are a, 
are going to be best friends regardless, right? I mean, but at the same time, Clay represents a faction of the room that I think people can rally around that's that's different. That's something beside the family man, you know? This is the guy that signs toasters and, like, used to smoke weed and maybe still does and, like, kind of just kicks it, you know? And I think that that matters. That's a segment of the locker room that isn't otherwise represented. Sarah. Am I the only one being crazy? So I, I heard you. You're on the fence as John. Now you're Bob. What would you do? That's, I mean, there's such valid points that both of you are arguing. Honestly, I'm, I'm not flabbergasted that Bram is the one that's like advocating for like not honoring Clay. And, not, and it's not that you're not honoring him, that you're willing to move on. There's, there's two players maybe on earth that I would, it's not that I'm willing to move on. Um, Clay Thompson is not just one of my favorite warriors. He is one of my favorite professional athletes ever, ever. Uh, I, I love everything about him on the floor and off the floor. So when I, when I take us through this, it's not a shy Clay. And, no, I, and I, I really hope, yeah, that that's not, it's more that an opportunity like Antetokounmpo doesn't, that doesn't happen, you know? And so I guess my point isn't that you definitely do it, my point is that you definitely consider it. It'd be insanity yeah. to not definitely consider it. You 100% have to consider it. And I think that the thing that maybe is being missed in this is like, this isn't a trade for a Kawhi or a Paul George or any. Giannis Antetokounmpo is better than those players and he will be for years. Yep. And I mean, this is, this is absolute generational talent. This is a guy like Steph, like, you come across one of them every once in a while. And so if Milwaukee is calling you and saying, let's make a deal, I think that you find a way to make the deal. Yep. I, I agree. Um, Why, but wouldn't Giannis, wouldn't Giannis say, I want to go to Golden State because Clay is there? Like, aren't you trading away? Like what he would, if he did That's that small fair. possibility and said, I want to be traded and I want to be traded to Golden State and that, for some reason happened it wouldn't be because only steph it's because of all there's the a shorter players. way to say that no it's it would be because he thinks golden state provides him the best path to a title that's why he would say yeah. that. and i and if bledsoe comes with him in the deal i just gave you and steph is still there and you now have a team that is anchored by two generational talents other players are going to flock there he will know that his agent will know that all the i mean everyone will know that so I'm I'm sure that if he did say I want to go to Golden State, one of the pieces, one of the big shiny bright pieces he would want to do that for is Clay. But if you remove that, you could still make the argument that they would still provide him the supporting cast that gives him the the, the best shot at not only a title but a dynasty. You know, multiple titles, a, a historical type team. I think. Yes, I mean, yes. I honestly think the, the biggest problem on this is whether or not. I mean, I think that Bob Myers has to consider it, would consider it. And if the phone call was made and it was like Giannis is on the table, he would find a way to make the deal. I think that the biggest problem in all of it is Milwaukee thinking that they got what they wanted back. And so, like, with my John Horse hat on, I'm thinking, I don't want to be on that Andrew Wiggins contract through 2023 if I'm doing a rebuild and I don't totally believe in him. Find another team to get in on this and give me what I want. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I'm envisioning all the completely justified hate mail I'm going to get because of the clay takes I just had. And I really, I cannot underline enough how much I love the guy, but you've got to, if, if a deal like this comes on the table, you have to consider it. That's the main point. Um, let's move to another player. So Joel Embiid is another guy who will most likely, and I, I shouldn't put it that way, Philadelphia flamed out. It looks like the process, although lasting what seemed like decades, is now a failure. And Philly's got to figure some shit out. You know, the, the way that they had this thing structured is not going, to, uh, not going to work out. And so one of the people they could get rid of is Joel Embiid. So let's go through a very similar take. Maxime, do you have a, uh, an Embiid trade ready to run? I do. Let's hear it. All right. No need for a third team. This is actually a, a pretty straight deal. Um, it's Andrew Wiggins and Eric Paschal for Joel Embiid. And if you want to sweeten the pot, which I think we do need to do, um, you add in this year's first round pick. So they get the number two pick 
um, Andrew Wiggins and Eric Paschal for Joel Embiid. Go ahead, Sarah. You start us off. Okay. I'm Elton Brand. I'm trying to convince everyone that I didn't screw the pooch by signing Tobias to a bunch of money and bringing on Al Horford and having two centers and no one to shoot. Uh, do I want Eric Pascal, Andrew Wiggins, and a second? The problem is I don't want to give up Embiid. I want to get rid of Ben Simmons. Right. Because that's where a lot of the problems are on the roster. If I can get off Ben Simmons' contract and then in two years start to rebuild by offloading a couple of the other bigger contracts, that's where I want to go. If there was a way to... What's that? I'll take that deal. Just flip flip Ben Simmons for Joel Embiid. Sure. I mean, if that... If now... I mean, now we're cooking with peanut oil because... If we're talking Ben Simmons and I get Eric Pascal and he's, you know, a hometown guy, Villanova, everyone already loves him in Philly. Mm -hmm. That's marketable for me. And I get Andrew Wiggins. I can convince these guys to shoot, maybe run some pick and roll with Embiid. Now I'm thinking about it. MT, take this one. So it sounds like it's, it's flipped. So now it is Ben Simmons being offered to us. Um, and so, so Maxime, the Warriors are giving up Wiggins and Pascal and getting back Simmons now. That's right. And also, I think, I mean, if you're selling it to Golden State, I would say, like, you know, you don't got to worry about shooting. You get the best shooting in the world. MT or Mr. Myers? And it's Wiggins, Pascal, and, and the second and the round, second. second pick, right? And yeah. I'll, I'll just serve in as Kirk Lake, uh, just for you to consider it before you give your last answer. I, I don't, where does he play? I mean, like if, if you bring in Ben, you putting him at the three, you know, like I, I understand his talent and I, I understand the concerns about Wiggins, but Wiggins fits an immediate position of need. Whereas I'm not sure, Bob, where you're going to put Ben if he comes back in this trade. I would, I would say that you would move, you'd move Draymond to more of a three and play Ben at the four. Sounds like Elton Brand really wants you to make this move. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it for Simmons. I would do it for Embiid. Um, the reason I wouldn't do it for Simmons is partially the same reason why um, you said earlier about injury concerns with Clay. Like Ben Simmons has, needs surgery right now on a knee. He's a big player, carries a lot of weight. Well, Embiid shoot. can't play a full season. True, but. <laughs> Ben Simmons he's, is the one who's going under history. the knife. And he's got he, just as much injury history as Ben Simmons, if not more. Yeah, but, both of us then, Elton. I mean, yeah. you're so worried about it. <laughs> and Joel Embiid is a much better shooter than Ben Simmons. Um, so I just don't, that worries yeah, Again, me. you guys don't need shooting. I, but <laughs> don't you, okay. I need my okay, Elton, don't you worry about what it is we need <laughs> in our backcourt. We exactly. are giving you an all-rookie player, and you are getting Wiggins, who basically does everything that Tobias Harris does and Josh Richardson does. Why don't you want a third person who does the exact same thing? Have you seen Andrew Wiggins do any of those things? No, and that's exact. So when I, I've got a trade here for you too, um, and I did the exact same thing you did, Maxim, because the money works perfectly. The Wiggins contract and Embiid's contract, literally dollar for dollar, are identical. But the the problem I had is if I am brand, you know. So every time you look at these trades online, everyone is offering Wiggins for Embiid. But if you're Philly, they basically already have better uh, versions of Wiggins twice. They've paid Tobias and they've paid Josh Richardson. So if I'm them, I'm not sure I need another small guy or another small forward. You know, like it's it's just a hard sell. Um, and I and I would I do not want Ben Simmons uh, I, as much as I like him. If anybody's coming back in Philadelphia, it's I, I think it's got to be Embiid. I think the other thing too, speaking for you, Elton Brand, um, is. Like Kevin Durant said it well. He said the problem in Philly was that they had all this great talent and they never let it gel. They just give everybody one season and then they switch it all up and they switch everybody up around Simmons and Embiid. And I think you're just repeating that again, acting like that's not what the issue is. So um, I think they need to give those players a chance to actually learn how to play together in order to effectively evaluate it versus just 
swapping out more players again and changing Jimmy Butler for Richardson and Harris and Reddick. And, you know, like they just, there's too much turnover on that team and you're just duplicating that process again. You hear that, Elton? They're they're screwing up the process. There there is a huge amount of turnover here in Philadelphia. (laughs) I'm aware of it. Uh, Even our beat writers are leaving for Western Pastures. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I mean, it's, it's a good argument. I mean, they gave Brett Brown, you know, scraggly ass teams to work with for years. And then finally, when he had something good for one season, then there was so much turnover between last season and this season that it wasn't even the same team that he was working with. And then they get rid of him. Now it's going to be a new coach and new players again. And it's totally true. It's hard to build chemistry or build anything when you're doing that, which, I mean, is another testament to what the Warriors have done over the last few years. And continuity cannot be overstated in the NBA. At the same time, I I cannot have a team with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and my best perimeter shooter is uh, Tobias Harris. Yep. <laughs> So it's not good enough. As currently constructed, the trade we offered you, basically centering Wiggins and Pascal for Embiid, is a no. Yes. Last question, because I never thought I'd actually have you on the pod, Elton. And I was a fan, by the way. Even when you're <laughs> kicking our ass um, from the Clippers, you were always really good. But what I what I has has been kind of surprising for me. How the hell have you lost a surprising amount of weight after your playing days? I just, I don't get how you've done that. So you don't have to tell us if it's like some kind of a secret, but every time I see you giving playing or press conferences, it just shocks me. So good for you, man. Uh, nicely done. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, when I'm on the road and uh, with the team during the playoffs and whatever great NBA city I'm in, you know, everybody else is going out to dinner, having drinks. I'll stop by, say hi, make sure to make face with everyone. But then I find a nice hot yoga studio and i go and get my workouts in every night i love our episode sarah my god (laughs) do i love having you on the show not as much as i like the phrase make face i will definitely use that at some point (laughs) in our instant future we are running long but fortunately we only have one last trade and i think it's an uphill one given the contracts involved um it involves marcus smart maxime one last crack yeah, this one, man, I'll just say I'm, I'm not doing myself any favors by, by saying this before I even pitch it, but I just think after the run that the Celtics are currently in the midst of, there's no chance. I think that Marcus Smart is the heart of the team the way that Draymond is the heart of ours. So um, with that said, this is basically a, a recognition yeah. that— You didn't hear any of that, Danny Inch. Not one word of it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not listening. Thank you. I appreciate that because that was an internal call. Um yeah, between us. No, I got you. Warriors. Yeah, yeah uh, was Warriors brass. But in any case, the, the, the pitch here is that um, Marcus Smart is a year away from the end of his contract. You know he's going to be asking for a lot more money than he's making right now. Um, and you've, you've got a couple of other players that are going to be due for some big contracts coming up here pretty soon. So um, you're going to have to move on from him at some point. So why not get some sweet picks out of it? Essentially what we're looking at here is um, taking him – uh, on in exchange for a, a pick swap. So you'll uh, you'll come up to number two and we'll drop down to number 14. That's an interesting trade offer, man. Um, I, so I, I'll jump in before we hear from Danny. Um, as Bob, you started this trade and I smugly stopped listening because I've looked at the numbers and I knew it was going to require a high draft pick for me to get back Marcus Smart because it just doesn't. His contract's too low. None of our numbers work. So in order to make this happen, it's got to be a TPE and then right. you know some some um, draft swap. And I thought you were going to ask me for my top pick and then give me back Marcus Smart. My answer would have been a you know big steeping f- you after we've made face for a little while. But now that you've done the two for fourteen, that's an interesting thing. You've got my attention, and it's a weak draft. So I'm not, I'm not going to give you a yes, but hey, if you can get Danny on the line and you can get him and their involvement, you can get me back off hold and you might me, you know, you might have a deal here. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to come at it with the mind of Danny Ainge also, not just making the numbers work or anything, because not only is Mark Smart, like you said, he is, he is the heart and soul of that team. But he is all, I mean, what's it, 
his salary right now has got to be 12, 13, something like that. Exactly right. 12 and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to be making at least $20 million a year once this is all said and done. And so getting off of that before it happens is good, but I also am totally willing to pay him that because he's worth it. Now, the I, also what's going on in my head is like, what's going to happen over the next two years with the salary cap? And will I be able to finagle like a little bit of a discounted deal with Marcus Spart because there's been a drop in the salary cap. But I'm thinking I need, I need more. And like one pick swap in a week draft is not enough for me. Well, I didn't want the deal anyways, Danny, and I <laughs> hang up the phone and that's all she wrote. No, the, uh, the, the Marcus Smart thing, you know, it, I, he's become a very popular topic for Warriors fans, especially after the run he's had in the playoffs. But it's that run is why he's probably not on the table. You know, what Boston just learned is that Gordon Hayward, that, that they probably didn't have to give him all that money. They should have saved some of it for Marcus Smart. So while I agree with him as a target, I'm not sure he's a target that can be acquired. Yeah. And like I said, it's it being able to acquire Marcus Smart might end up being totally dependent on what we see done with the salary cap. Yeah. So if if testing my active listening skills and moving backwards with you know somebody who is not in in passionately only rooting for the Warriors making the trades. A move from Marcus Smart, interested, but the numbers didn't really work, so we couldn't make it happen. A move for Joel Embiid, well, the numbers could work, and the teams are interested in each other's parts, but they're not interested in the same parts, right? Yeah. We want back Embiid, they want, uh, they want to give up Simmons, which brings us to Giannis, and I thought that that was the most interesting thing. After a really impassioned plea, we at least had Milwaukee interested, and it was golden state that said no uh and, and what i think we are seeing is that when when if you are looking at these things from both teams generally speaking a a deal of this magnitude is going to leave both parties unhappy both people are going to give up a little bit more than they wanted to you're going to get a sleepless night deal something that is just too damn good to immediately say no to but you're not quite there to immediately say yes to. So I don't know if we're going to see any, uh, you know, giant uh, trades on the horizon. But the next time you find yourself in a bar arguing about it or on a happy hour over Zoom, make sure that somebody is putting on the GM hat from another team because we just saw it be really important. Sarah, damn, that was awesome. Down to your <laughs> acting skills. Um, I might just call you Elton from here on out so that's that's comes from personal experience being in boston <laughs> at dinner with some of the uh like front You've office PR guys of course you El made face with them yeah, yeah the, for those who haven't been following the bouncing ball sarah used to work as a 76ers beat writer so it was spoken from uh, real experience yeah, El elton came by talked for a few minutes and i was like where, where are you going you're not going to eat and he's like oh, i got a hot yoga thing i got to hit for a little while <laughs> My God, I didn't know that part was real. Okay, well. Oh, no, it's real. <laughs> you were awesome. Say hi to your upstairs neighbor and also tell him to stop making all that fucking noise. It's an apartment building, Sarah. He doesn't know somebody lives beneath him. I mean, yeah, that's I just straightforward route, dude. Uh, Sarah, this should have been the first thing out of my mouth. And I'm actually a little embarrassed that I haven't already given you this platform. So I would love to participate in helping out Paradise, California, get through not one, but two disasters now. If I want to do that, how do I? Yeah, and you can help not just Paradise, but I mean, all of Northern California, which is just being ravaged year after year, and these communities are being completely destroyed. People are left with nothing. There's no time because of the wind changes to even get out with the things that mean a lot to them, and so they have absolutely nothing. And there is a foundation called the North Valley Community Foundation. You can find them with those initials online so nvcf uh and the nvcf.org and i have a gofundme that's pinned to the top of my twitter account all of the money in that gofundme do goes directly to the nvcf or you can just go to their website and donate and what they do is 
They put together grants for families that have been impacted. They send out money to programs that are helping people in immediate relief, but also helping them for years after because these people have to rebuild their lives. And so the money that they spend goes directly to the people, not to a bunch of like foundations that say that they're going to help, but they're really helping the communities. And I've seen their help help my family and many other families. So it's a great organization. You can find them NBCF or you can find it through my Twitter page. I will be donating, and I hope all of you guys do too. I love having you on. I know everyone else loves having you on. We need more Shara in our lives. Where do we go? Find me on all the social medias at NBA Sarah or read my stuff at Deseret.com. To prove how much we love you, we want to give you a parting gift. So cool announcement. We have a storefront. Finally, if you go to tpublic.com, T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C. And I'm talking directly to you, Sarah. Go to tpublic.com, search Warriors Huddle. You'll find that we have two designs up there. Sarah, pick one, and I'm going to send you a shirt for free because you are fantastic, and we just wanted to thank you. Um, And for anyone else out there listening, if you would like to support us or have any interest in the shirt, the designs are badass. Um, We're really happy with them, and you can find them up at tpublic.com for... Uh, Can I also just really quickly say also, KD, you haven't come on, so we can't give you one for free, but we'll give you 50% off. So go ahead and pick (laughs) yours. Or any of the burner accounts. Or those two people who send us those emails at the exact same time. (laughs) We'll give you three shirts, dude. Three shirts. Immediately, three shirts. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Let me know how goddamn stupid I am for my clay takes. Warriors Huddle or at Warriors Huddle. Or you can email that same hate to warriorshuddle at gmail.com. Great stuff, and uh, we'll see you guys real soon. In recognition of what Northern California is going through and really in our best effort to try to help in any way we possibly can, and also as a further incentive to get you guys to check out the storefront and some of the designs we are so proud of up on T Public, from now until the end of the NBA playoffs, until an NBA champion has been crowned, 100% all of the proceeds that we get from that storefront will in fact go to uh, the GoFundMe page that Sarah was describing and will thus help anybody who has been impacted or help those impacted by the California wildfires. And let me say that even if you are just thinking of helping us out there, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good, good. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.